Getting the weekend started, uh, actually less early than we had planned. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Episode 421, almost said 124, of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. And English Dan. Good evening. And as you can hear from the fact that uh, we can actually hear Dan, we are recording in person again. And not so sorry about that. Um, it's Friday evening. As we record, it will be, I assume, quite late on Friday night or early on Saturday morning by the time I get this online. Uh, I've been busy again this week. It's becoming a very common theme, I'm and happy to say. And you won't sleep in order to get this done, right? Uh, it doesn't sleep anyway. I'm going to sleep yeah. at some point. I've, <laughs> I've not slept properly for well over a week, but uh, I, I really hope to get some tonight. But... Um, yeah, no, at some point I will, but I'm not going to sleep until this episode is at least oh, mastered. At dedication. And then we'll see what time yeah. it is. And if it's too late, then I might go to bed and upload Such it. Such dedication to the course. But anyway, we're here um, because even though we got to Friday night, and I don't normally like recording on Friday night because wouldn't we all just rather order some food and begin our weekends, uh, this weekend is classical weekend in the Copa de la Liga Profesional. Let's go over last weekend's matches first of all, and then I'll take the unusual step of telling you what all the fixtures are this week straight away. Last week we had Arsenal nil, Vélez nil, Platense one, Patronato two, Huracan one, Godoy Cruz three. So Godoy Cruz are good again, apparently. Yeah. Aldo Civi one, Tigre nil, Sarmiento two, Newells two, Rosario Central one, Barracas Central three, Tacheres nil, San Lorenzo one, Union two, Banfield one, Lanús one, Colón one, River four, Gimnasia nil, Estudiantes nil, Boca one, uh, Estudiantes first defeat of the season, I think. Atletico Tucumán nil, Racing four, Independiente 1, Central Córdoba 1, and Argentinos 0, Defensa y Justicia 1. Leaving Racing as the only unbeaten team still in the league, out of all of the 50-odd teams that are in there. The Cup. Or Cup League, which is a league, but, so, uh, as we discussed last a, week. A cup, with so, a, yeah. a cup, but the, the title will be a, a league title. title right? it was. Well, yes, I forgot. So I can right. say in the league. Quite right, yeah. yeah. Um, this weekend, we've already... One point, like, four, six matches into the weekend. Um, there are six minutes of the first half left of the second game, is basically what I'm saying. Aldo Simi beat Patronato 3-1 in the first round, uh, first match uh, at four o'clock this afternoon, which confused me a bit, because when I last looked at the fixture list, it was scheduled for the same time as this game we're watching now, and that was on Monday. But I honestly don't think even Patronato knew it was on. No. By the looks of the score. Uh, that one, as you will already be aware, if you're dedicated enough to the world of Argentine football, uh, to be listening to this, between teams from Mar del Plata and uh, Paraná, two cities that are 
I want to say 2,000 kilometres or so apart. Not is that much. 1,500? Yeah, maybe 1,500. Somewhere around there, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's not a classico, anyway, basically. Uh, Tigre versus Platense is a sort of a classico. It's arguably not the match that Platense should have had for their classico in this current season. But anyway, uh, now 41 minutes in, Tigre are 3-0 up. They scored twice in about 30 seconds very shortly before we started recording. Uh, later on this evening, we have another not classico between Barracas Central and Sarmiento. And then on Saturday, the actual big boys classicos begin. They are Lanús versus Banfield, San Lorenzo versus Huracán, Colón versus Unión, and Independiente versus Racing. On Sunday, Rosario Central host Newells, Gimnasia host Estudiantes, and River host Boca in what apparently, this hasn't occurred to me before, but it's going to be the first Super Clásico that Juan Fernando Quintero will play at the Monumental, yeah. uh, because his previous ones have been in Madrid and in the Bombonera. So right. He's never actually played a home one for River. Or he was oh. injured. Yes, yeah, or he was injured, yeah, yeah. Uh, on Monday, Defensive Justicia versus Arsenal is... Uh, I mean, they're both playing sort of bits of or quite close to Avellaneda, don't they? So it's not... They're from... Zona Sur, yeah, like the, south, the southern suburbs of Buenos Aires, like, so geographically it makes sense, I guess. It's not indefensible, uh, nor would Argentinos versus Vélez be, but for the fact that Platense are in the top flight, and really they should be playing Argentinos this weekend. Uh, the problem is that Ferro is not at Primera, because Vélez Ferro will be the normal, yeah, perhaps. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and then on Tuesday is when the weekend ends. We haven't got a long weekend, only in a football sense, unfortunately. Uh, Atlético Tucumán hosts Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero in uh, definitely not a Clásico. It's el Clásico de la Siesta. Sure. <laughs> Indeed. And Tacheres hosts Godoy Cruz in the... Is there a Clásico name that we can give that one? Uh, Macrivitas Clásico. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> but the, the, I think the Atlético Tucumán and, and Central Córdoba... It's a classical because perhaps between Tucumán and There's Santiago... There's a fair bit of rivalry between uh, Tucumán and mm. Santiago del Estero on, uh, on the provincial level, yeah. It's the same when we had the Clásico of the Wine region when um, Godoy Cruz played San Martín de San Juan when they were up in the top flight. Yeah, the, classico the, the crucial Clásico, yeah. But that actually is called a Clásico by the mm. national media, at least. Um, anyway, last weekend... Oh, since last weekend as well, we have had Estudiantes... Um, succeed in reaching the group stage of the Copa Libertadores. They followed up a 1-0 win in their first leg of the third qualifying round, away to, I've already forgotten who they were playing, Everton de Chile. Um, I mean, obviously de Chile, because they weren't playing English Everton in the Copa Libertadores, were they? Um, With a 1-0 win at home to Everton uh, to go through 2-0 on aggregate. And we had a at least one Copa Argentina match as well. I think Tacheras played in the Copa Argentina on Tuesday. And I there was an the, upset. Chaco Forever went for it. Yes. Against oh. a... I think it was a... Um, top flight team. Let me just was check. Arsenal? I can't Arsenal, remember. yes. Yeah. Chaco Forever are in the last... Are we in 64 oh, wow. now or 32? One of them. And uh, Tashiris beat Buenos 4-0. So that one, very much not an upset. We are in the last... uh, That was the last 64. This is, sorry, the last Mm. 64. So uh, Chaco Forever and Tashiris go through to the last 32. Or the 16th of final. uh, To give it the proper name that um, 
long-term listers will know what, what joke I'm making there. And then next weekend we have more games because obviously the league is stopped for the international weekend. Yes. But there are Copa Argentina games, some new oh, ones. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't realise. Um, Independiente and Racing are both playing Salta teams on Saturday and Sunday against Central Norte of Salta and Gimnasia y Tiro, respectively. Say, I was about to say they're both at home as well, but of course they're not. No, I'm not sure where they've been played, to be honest. But they're, they're not going to be playing in the Libertadores, the America and the... And the no, and I don't think they're playing in Salta either. Um, no in Copa Argentina organisation, considering they sent La Ferreri up to Salta. Hmm. Um, they'll probably play this in Banfield Stadium. Yeah. Um, nice. And Lanusa Stadium, just to make it really easy for the Salta teams. But I, I think that there are also a decision that, that not to play more Copa Argentina games in Buenos Aires province. Really? Yes, oh. Pravide, because of security issues, uh, decided not to play any more games of Copa oh. Argentina there. Fair enough. I suppose as well, with it being just summer and everybody's already been to Madrid Plata, the province doesn't need the tourist money. <laughs> which, um, and on Friday as well, there's a game, uh, Estudiantes against Puerto Nuevo, um, who are like one of the worst teams in the country. And where are they from? Um, somewhere around Greater Buenos Aires. They're, all, they're like a, they're a Primera D team and they tend to jockey with Deportiva Paraguayo for the um, for last place in Primera D and disaffiliation. Campana. There you go. So it's here, according to SofaScore anyway, which isn't always entirely accurate. Uh, Campana yeah. has a port, so it's plausible. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Union also plays Sportivo Las Parejas next, uh, on the 23rd, which must be next Wednesday, I think. Um... And then Defensa Justicia plays Sacachispas on the 30th, which is in a week and a half's time on, I think, Tuesday, because my flight to Patagonia is on the 31st. Ah. Actually, I must apologise. Puerto Nuevo are, in fact, in the sea. They went up last year oh. for, for, I think, the first time in the club's history. Congratulations to yeah, them. Yeah, well done. Uh, if we can cast our minds back anyway, gents, to last weekend, um, what should we discuss? I mean... As you said, Dan, why, why don't we start with Racing? They are the yeah, one yes, remaining man. team left unbeaten. They, we were talking, you know, last time we recorded and the time before that about how they've made this sort of promising start and they've shown flashes of good football, and it was sort of you know waiting for it to all finally mm. sort of ultimately click, as it were. But it was promising, and a four 0 away win. I, I must say, sorry, before he starts, that as as I said that last week that for Lucky River played against San Lorenzo. Well, in this case, Racing and Latte play against Atletico Tucumán. Because I think they are they are one of the poorest teams, like San Lorenzo, Sounds in, like in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Copa. So Racing aren't that good, in other words. As well. I mean, Atletico are a very, um, a very limited team, admittedly, but they're also like... Um, it's not a, an easy place to visit by any means, going up to Tucumán. Like the, the fans really do make you welcome up there, and they really just sat back and invited Racing onto him like very um was actually in a, a pretty good defensive performance for Atletico until uh Racing's second goal when uh, a fantastic free kick from from Alcaraz who has just been fantastic so far this season and that was pretty much the invitation for Racing to run right but oh yeah it took them an hour to get that second goal yes yeah. yes 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 um, but again just very good football from Racing they're knocking around the pitch with so much confidence they're, as I said last week they're creating lots of chances 
Um, I think they struggled, you know, once they went ahead to get that second goal because Atletico just really didn't show any sign of wanting to go forward even after going behind. They were happy to sit right back and just pump the ball up and um, and get people running after it in the hope of some fluke counter-attack. Uh, but once it came together, um, they just stepped up the gears and, and they were ruthless in, in dispatching Atletico. Um, really good stuff again. And pretty much, I mean, you can't ask for much more... Uh, the the match before a classico everyone's going in very confident um there are a couple of injuries but uh none from this last game so it looks like fernando gago will be repeating his first team and i honestly can't remember the f last time that happened in our racing team like playing the same starting 11 twice in a row this feels like the kind of thing that um if it were going to be happening in the super classico every single sports news program would be going they're going to be repeating a starting 11 for the first time in X matches and because it's in Racing Independiente which is only half a rung lower you know mm. it's, it's the Super Classico is the only bigger match really in the country I've seen it talked but about a fair bit Gago repite equipo but to be fair it's just been um, overshadowed by the big news this week uh, Boca and their shaman I can't go over this don't look at me like you've been living under a rock in the entire week, Samuel. Well, I've been proofreading corporate reports. So you have been living under a against rock. Against the clock, pretty much. So you have no idea what I'm talking about? Um, no. Um, on Sunday, Boca, for the first time in the in Super Classico history, mm. will not be wearing a blue and gold shirt. They will be wearing a yellow shirt. The yellow shirt, in fact, that they wore against Estudiantes in their win on Sunday. And do you know why? Because they beat Estudiantes in it. <laughs> Some people would think that, but they would be wrong. Uh, club sources have pointed to a uh, shaman who's acting as spiritual advisor um, inside Juan Roman Riquelme's um, technical secretariat, or whatever it's called, technical committee who advised them to stick with the yellow because it gave off very good vibes. And so, they will be wearing a different colour kit in the Super Classico for the first time ever. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought it was because Barcelona and Real Madrid will play also with the alternative kits really? on Sunday, yes. I think it will be. I don't think that's got anything. It's no. going to be a really poor day for fans of actually iconic kit clashes. But a great day for well, Shane. Not, not kit clashes, because that's different, but you know what I mean, clashes between iconic mm. kits, because normally, you know, the Super Classico is, is a match between two of the very best shirts in world football, and no. It could be a great day for Shamans though, if Boca win. Well, yeah, true. And if it's it a good day for Shamans, it's generally a good day for the rest of us. I'm always, <laughs> I always like to, to sit in the Shamans corner. That, that if I can. That you, we have to stop you quoting every single week, Dan, yeah? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah long-term listeners won't even be aware of this, but I have to cut down saying that at least five times every episode, and he's yes. finally managed to get it in legitimately. Excellent. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm not really sure where to go from there. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the logical place to go from there is Boca's 1-0 win over Estudiantes. Well, Independiente was the only, the only team, the only of the five... Oh, yeah. Actually, let's talk about Independiente. Not to win a match, the, the, the previous match to the, to the, to the Classic. 
as uh, perhaps that shows how they are playing, perhaps. But oh yeah, because San Lorenzo went yes. with Even San Lorenzo. Even, even San Lorenzo. Um, well, Independiente, it, it's kind of a shame really that Santi wasn't able to make it. I mean, I do wonder whether he remembered the context and thought, oh, actually, no, I don't want to um, be there talking about Independiente having drawn at home to Central Cordoba. It's not great. Um, was it just last week that Santi was saying how Independiente started to look a bit better this year as well? It was, wasn't it? I don't know if he used that that kind of um, strong an affirmation, but he was a little bit more confident, a little mm. bit happier. Um, I assume now he's not. But I get very nervous, you know, I'm not going to talk about Independiente because, you know, I'm only going to talk about it from my perspective because it's the only one that really matters. <laughs> this kind of situation always makes me nervous, you know. Racing are on a high, Independiente are on a low, you go into their stadium, and I've been around the block enough times to know um, how this usually turns out so I am going to keep um, my bravado to an absolute minimum this week um, I don't trust Independiente and I think this whole being crap um, routine is, is just a fuss I'm, I'm going to be watching trying to lull you into a false sense of security exactly yes I, so, I've just noticed that so I've far I've got my eyes open so far Racing's first six matches have featured exactly the same number of goals as Independiente's first six matches have. Mm. Because Racing have scored 12 and conceded 4, which maths fans will be able to confirm is 16 in total. And Independiente have scored 8 and conceded 8, uh -huh. which is also 16. Um, and then they are, of course, drawing most of the games. It's like they don't mm. lose, but they, they can't win either. Mm. Independiente have got one win, four draws and one defeat from their six matches and Racing as Dan's already mentioned uh, are unbeaten they've won three and drawn three but do you know how many games Racing have won in the Clásico outside of El Cilindro in the last 20 years oh I thought you were going to say this year and the answer was going to be none but, well uh, this year now so far um, has it I guess did they win the one when Teofilo got sent off and then no, no, no. gun in his teammates face no they, nah, they lost like 4-0 uh, I'll say one it's a bit more than one. Okay, two. <laughs> Three. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was one in... How many have they played, though? Because, you know, for most of the last decade, we've only been playing, like, one match a year, and it may or may not have been in the cylinder or outside of it. Uh, no, it's a lot. It's, like, okay. getting up to 20. Because uh -huh. there was, like, Ligisha games and, like, Copa Superliga and whatnot. Like, um, there was one in about 2006, which might have been at a neutral ground, because, obviously... Independiente were still building their stadium mm -hmm. and then in Independiente's new ground there's only been two one Ligisha game which I remember very well with goals from Gustavo Bolt and Oscar Romero that would have been around 2016 mm -hmm. and the most recent one in 2019 the famous uh, Nicolas Domingo um, waltzing over for an imaginary throw-in as Lisandro Lopez just ran off towards goal and scored. Was that the last one they played, though? 2019? Uh, no, they played last year. Um, the game which okay. was in act absolutely torrential rain. No one could even walk or kick a ball in oh, the field. Yeah. And Silvio Romero got the only goal of a very, very strange game of water water. So, yeah, that's why I'm 
really not buying into this. Oh, look at us, we're independiente, we're vulnerable, come and get us, Racing. No, you've got to have you, the knife firmly girded between the teeth on, on Saturday. No, oh boy. Indeed, the last three Clásicos de Avellaneda have all ended 1-0 to the home side. Um, Racing in February 2020. The, the famous nine-man... Nine man wins. Yes, nine versus nine, yeah. To yes. Both sides the um, Racing goal I think I've I shouted the loudest for in my entire life. <laughs> and made now we cry. Where is Marcelo Dia playing now right now? Uh, he the was one? in Libertad for oh. a while. Uh, I don't know if he's still there or if he went somewhere else. In, in a moment it was said that he could come back to Racing, mm. but finally... Yeah, it didn't happen. Mm. Uh, and then there was a 1-0 win again for Racing in April last year and then as Dan just mentioned that 1-0 win for Independiente which was in August last year um, so the Racing win was obviously in the Copa in this very competition even though it Indeed. wasn't a league at the time uh, and then the Independiente win was in the league itself um, I have also been looking through while Dan was talking and trying to work out which of the Clásicos this weekend is between the two the two teams who are best positioned and there are two um, contenders River versus Boca is the team in first of Group A against the team who are currently in fourth actually yeah they're currently because in fourth Tigre. because of the fact that Tigre yes. are winning right now but at kickoff this was it was River were first and, and Boca were third in Group yes. B um, and Colón versus actually is it Colón versus Union or is it yes. Union versus Colón um, but anyway, the Santa Fe Clásico is between Union, who are third in Group 1, and Colón, who are second, but actually now third, if Tigre win this, in Group 2. Um, I think if you do it on purely points, it's a tie, right? And if you do it on average league position, it's a tie as well. I mean, if you do it on average yes. league position at kick-off of Tigre uh, versus, versus yes. Patense, uh, then they would both average out to uh, second place. I think no, hang on. No, Union are in third and Colonia are in third. Ah, no, because they would be in second. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and River first and Boca third also averages out to second. So those are the two matches to watch this weekend, um, and we haven't talked about either of them yet. So it's a shame that Tony couldn't make it, but he yeah. is at the moment, I think, still in Mexico. Um, so that was a bit of an obstacle to his participation. Um, but Union got a 2-1 win over Banfield and Colón drew 1-1 away to Lanús. Can we remember anything about either of those matches? No, I couldn't watch them. Uh, but <laughs> well, <laughs> Union started the, the, the Copa uh, defeating River and it was a, yeah. a, a very intense match, uh, at least from them, uh, which shows how, well, I think, well, Gustavo Munua, the coach, Uruguayan coach, has a lot to do with that. Mm. Uh, making them play, I think, the smart way. Uh, at least against River, it was like that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Tony's, we've talked about how they've very much continued in that vein um, since then. So they, they've actually, I think their matches have had fewer goals than anybody else in the league. Certainly, they've, they've only conceded three, which is faintly ridiculous, and they've scored six. Racing, yes. Uh, so, San Lorenzo. Gimnasia, Patronato, Atletico Tucumán and Tacheres in the same group as Union have all scored fewer uh, but all of those teams are rubbish mm. and Union are not rubbish um, and no one in either group has conceded has conceded fewer Belles have conceded four, River have conceded four and 
Tigre have conceded three at the moment with half a game more played. Um, can we say with some? Can we say with some confidence that Newell's Rosario Central is the most rubbish classic of the of the weekend? Um, on current form, on current form, I don't want to offend any of our Rosarino listeners. Yeah, well, for Rosario Central, from the Rosario Central's point of view, if you start winning against Barraca Central, then you you end losing. It's not great, is it? Three uh, one in your stadium. Oh, uh, yes. Was that last weekend or the weekend yes. before? I, I last, last saw weekend. some of that. It was atrocious. Yeah, I mean, I saw the second half. In fact, when they were, were they one nil? It's like the the, yeah. the the ball was like burning for for, for them. <laughs> it was completely bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I even carried on watching it was because Barracas got their equaliser. I think quite, yeah, sort of ten minutes into the second half, and I thought, oh, okay, this. Yeah, let's see what happens now. Central, presumably, are going to just step it up a gear and <laughs> win because it's only Barracas Central, um, and they didn't. They conceded another one quite soon after, and then a third one really late on. Absolutely terrible. Um, and Newell's have been weird, right? I got a fit, didn't they beat somebody 4 0 two weeks ago? Yes. Wait. Atletico Tucumán, who, as yeah. you said earlier, Andres said, you know, anybody can beat Atletico Tucumán 4 0, apparently. It seems so, yeah. Um, and yeah, not really an awful lot else. <laughs> Where are they? I'm trying to find them in the league table. Ah, that's because I'm looking at the. No, oh, they've been doing alright, like, they had a they're pretty difficult run in, like. Central and ninth. And Newell's are sixth in Group One. Um, I mean, Newell's have already played the top three teams from last year's league. That's so true. Yeah, it wasn't easy. And Argentinos, who started well, so I think they're in, they're in better nick than uh, Central anyway. Mm. I like to arch the um, that kind of re-angle the question: Who out of the various classical coaches is most in danger of? being out of a job by this time Monday. Obviously, Kile Gonzalez, I think uh, loss at home to Newell's would probably polish me off, right? For Central? I mean, you would, especially given the atmosphere around the Rosario Clásico every mm. time it's played, right? You, you would think that he's got to be up there. It's um, not going to be easy. I, I'm going to have to hold my hands up and admit that I can't remember who is currently managing La Luz or Beles. Uh, Zubeldia and, and Pellegrino. In Vélez's case, it's not really a classical, but let's pretend it is anyway. Because for Vélez to be down in 13th... Yeah, it's not great, so but I think yeah. he's got some credit left in the bank still. No, Almiron is back at Alonso. Almiron went back, that's true. Yeah, um, he might have yes. a bit of credit, but he needs to shape up um, fairly quickly. Uh, Dominguez at Independiente... Could be tricky if he loses at home to Racing because, as I've just said, mm. not many independent coaches um, lose at home to Racing. Yeah. True. Um, do we think Battaglia's got enough credit in the bank? Surely. For anything but a really embarrassing defeat? Yeah, but I mean, again, I've been proofreading all week and not really looking at sports <laughs> headlines, but I've yeah. not been made aware of any sort of serious I, I oh, think that to win this one or is for the chop I think it will be different if they had lost against uh, would have lost against Estudiantes and now yes. losing against River and Badly perhaps that will be and also if there was another obvious somebody waiting in the wings to replace him I can't really think who no but that's never stopped yeah. uh, a team before from yeah. just cutting away there's no one and, and, and Batalla was 
ten, uh, the intention was for him to be like intern mm. uh, coach and his his stay and now if you say okay it's okay uh, uh, thank you very much and you will go back to, to the reserves where I think Ibarra is not right now uh, uh, mm. Ibarra uh, it's like perhaps you, what what could you do to put Ibarra to the first team and then, <laughs> then battle the, uh, back yeah. to the reserves it will difficult, be difficult difficult I don't know. Uh, a point whoever else gets sacked after this round of Classicos. Trollio, perhaps it's probably the most likely. Um, but it's same same case. It's San Lorenzo has nothing. I think, of course, uh, with all respect, but they don't have a, a, a players in order. You you bring a, a other uh, coach and to to play so differently. It's very very difficult. Uh, it's still very early in the season, yeah. If we haven't had any coaching casualties already, oh yeah, of course, um, De Pablo mm. of Barraca Central went back to Texas. But it's strange season. because they lost three games, which is, I think, uh, quite ex- you could you could expect for Barraca Central first. It was possibly of- an overreaction, but they have done a little bit better since yes. he left. So yes. maybe he just wasn't a very good coach. I mean, shock horror, a. TV pundit slash commentator not knowing actually what he's talking about, it would be a surprise, but that seems to be the case. He got sucked after, was the, it after the Tigre loss? The, the third, round. third round, yeah. So yeah, since since they changed managers, they lost another one to Colón, and they've now won two in a row. Indeed. Against Aldor, CB and Central. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe they're not going to be rubbish after all. Or maybe Tapia's remembered where the money is and started paying the referees a little bit more for their matches. Yeah, maybe just like through those first four games to to make it show. Oh, look, we're just like us off the set. yeah, we're just like everyone else. We're rubbish, and now everyone's turned their eyes off Baraka Central and assume that they're going to lose every game. Now yeah. we can start with the um, the tilting of the table. And I'm wondering whether also not a classico, obviously, but whether um, God, what's his name? Just hang on while I remind myself of the name of the manager, since that's the whole point of this discussion. Uh, whether I was only really bothered about the guys who had Clasicos, to be honest. But whether Guillermo could be for the job, oh, because yes. Tacheres are the only club. And they did, as we mentioned, they beat Juárez 4-0 um, in the Copa Argentina in midweek. But they're the only club in the Copa de la Liga who have not yet won a match. I'm pretty sure Oshas has already gone. Oh, was he? Yeah. Well, since beating Juárez... He went last last week. He did. He had to do oh, okay. a he had to do a press conference with the president sitting next to the president who was explaining why he was shit and had to go. Oh well. Wow. And he was just like sitting there morose at his side. As a disclaimer, didn't I just say about ten minutes ago that sofa score is not always one hundred percent reliable? So Apparently there so. we go. Uh, don't use SofaScore <laughs> to find out who the current manager of a team is because you'll be embarrassed on a podcast yeah. if you do so. Yeah, you got. Um, he got sacked last week. Huh. I only remember because of that horrible scene. Um, the president making making the coach sit with him while he announced his sacking. I was like, this could have been an email. Mm. Literally, you know. Yeah. This could have been a statement on Twitter and just let him go with a bit of dignity. Well, I wish, I, nice. I, wish I was paying a bit more attention still now. There you go. Um, anyway, yeah. we have been recording for half an hour. Dan's just finishing his class. Why don't so we take a break and then we'll do a proper super classical preview once we're back. I think that's precisely what we're going to do. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Uh, the first thing to state is that I didn't fancy, I've got a slightly larger glass than Dan, <laughs> and I didn't fancy just downing. It, it's almost downable, but it's just that sort of amount where it's <laughs> going to be slightly uncomfortable and give me a bit of reflux if I do. Um, so I'm going to be standing up in a minute or two while one of the others is talking to make a fur for myself. Uh, the second thing to mention is that we're not going to go straight on to the Super Classico, because this doesn't happen every time. But uh, we've got some real-life, live reaction to a piece of footballing controversy or controversy that just happened. Um, while Dan was outside smoking a cigarette, or just before he came in, uh, Tigre scored a fourth goal against Platense. And it took a very long time indeed for it to be allowed, but it has been allowed. And Dan, who did not see it happen, is now going to explain to you why it possibly, maybe, definitely, perhaps shouldn't have been allowed. Yeah, I'm not sure. As far as I can see, it shouldn't have been, but it was. Um, so basically, the Platense defender uh, clears the ball, um, doesn't do a very good job of it. It hits uh, Tigre player's foot, balloons up in the air, and drops to Pablo Manin, who hit a very nice volley, but. That's a great finish. Yeah. yeah. Manin was definitely in a offside position both when the botch clearance and the deflection happened. And it was very easy to see he was in an offside position because both of them were almost but not quite level with the edge of the penalty box. Indeed, and the linesman yeah, flagged the straight away. Hmm. The referee decided that no, this was not um, offside and the linesman just gave up very quickly and agreed with him. He took into account the, the clearance by the defender, not the deflection. To a striker, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, but I that's, mean, that's what I'm wondering because it's very hard to to ignore the deflection by the, yeah. the striker because it was pretty much what created the goal. Because my immediate uh, the, the the memory that that it brings to mind for me is of Horacio Elizondo, uh, the great Argentine referee of decades past in the 2006 World Cup, allowed a goal after his linesman had flagged it for offside. Mm. Uh, I want to say it was a match involving Czech Republic, but that might just be because I know that he sent off Tomas Ulchvalusi at some point. Um, <laughs> South Korea. Was South Korea involved? Mm -hmm. Because what he had spotted but the linesman hadn't was that the ball had taken a deflection off the defender. Um, and therefore the guy was actually onside. But that's not what happened just now. And also, none of the referees currently refereeing in the Argentine top flight are anywhere near Elisondo's level, unfortunately. No. Um, so yeah, there you go, real life controversy. Um, that's about all we can say. I'm sure we could carry on talking about this for 20 minutes more if it was in, if, you know, if, it, if, if it had happened during River v Boca or Independiente v Racing. Oh, weeks and weeks. Yeah. Um, but as it's only Tigre v Platense, and it's already 3-0 anyway before the goal went in, and it's yes. now 4-0. We'll say we're, for now we're puzzled. If anyone, if any um, referees are listening mm. and either try and mentally piece together the action or even better look at the uh it'll be on youtube by the, the time passage in, in question yeah we'd love to hear your your input why was the goal given indeed um please anyway as dan suggested before the break super classical preview mm. back to our roots dan indeed this was the very first episode only obviously we might have had slightly different opinions um because it was a completely different match it did take place 11 and a half years ago. Indeed. But how are we going to preview this week's 
super classical. We've already started and given you a bit of background and, you know, Battaglia under some pressure at Boca. Yeah. Quintero looking forward to playing his first ever super classical at the Monumental. Shaman's getting involved. If he Indeed. is introduced by Gallardo in the, in the I, I assume in the second half, because uh, during some time in the week it was he was in the in the first team or the well starting lineup if uh, in, in during training training session which of course it wasn't the signal for for him to start but some some journalists said oh well perhaps Quintero is in the starting lineup by final and finally. Marcelo Gallardo surprised today because not because of the starting lineup, but because when the press conference started, he right away said the, 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 how the team will will, will be uh, the, how the starting line, lineup will be. I don't suppose um, you can remember it. Yeah. I don't suppose you can remember the eleven, can you? Yes, uh, oh. it will be Armani. Which it's it's <laughs> the same. Is that controversial. Yeah. No, no. He surprised because he said the team mm. when he usually doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and. All, all, all the media outlets was, were saying, oh, Gallardo surprised because he confirmed the team before he was asked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, So Armani, Roja- flat back four, I assume. Yes, Robert Rojas, Pablo Diaz, Leandro González Pires, because Hector David Martinez is still not recovered from his injury, mm-hmm. and uh, Milton Casco. Uh, then it will be Santiago Simón, Enzo Pérez, Enzo Fernández, Nicolás de la Cruz, who was the doubt because he, he wasn't playing perhaps fluently after he uh, came back from his injury, uh, his performances weren't uh, as he used to. I thought he did alright last weekend though. He, he wasn't, uh, he is still like weak, not uh, at his perhaps 100% yeah, physical no, he, form. He was taken off, wasn't he? Against him last year. Yes, he, he was. He, uh, he's I'm feeling he set up a goal or something and then he got subbed in. 16th. Oh, for Quintero. Yes. Just over an hour in, yeah. Well, that was the doubt uh, before he, he confirmed the team. And well, finally, Nicolás de la Cruz will be there. Mm. And Ezequiel uh, Barco and Julian Alvarez. Mm. And in fact, having looked up when he was subbed, I have remembered something that I really should have mentioned because I made a mental note when it happened. I've got to mention this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I know. How many of you listeners love it when I come out with these completely fucking pointless stats? Uh, and you know that I love it. And that is that River's first three goals against Team Nasia last weekend were all scored from penalties and were all scored by different penalty takers. Enzo Fernandez took the first one and scored it. Julian Alvarez took a second one in stoppage time. And then a few minutes after he came on, Quintero took and scored the third one. And. Uh, Th- that has not happened very many times in football no, history. In fact, the I last time statistic, but I, I, I asked it on one of my football trivia groups and somebody offered up um, a Sevilla match in La Liga a few years ago in which it had happened and that was the only one that anybody could think of and Andres now has another No, the last time that River had, had been awarded three penalties in, his, in the, same, the same match was 48, 48 years ago. Wow, 48 years ago. Uh, presumably they were taken by three different people. No, it was for Carlos Morete scored all of the penalties uh, against Banfield in 1974. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, uh, yeah, as you say, even just being awarded three penalties in one match for one team is, is highly unusual. And for the, yes. the three of them to be taken by different players, and okay, you think, fair enough, Quintero obviously wasn't on the pitch when the first two were taken, but you can't the, remember same, the, the same 11 players were on the pitch for the first two, and they were taken by two different players. Yes, they must remember perhaps three penalties taken. By the same, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, you will say. You, you, you will know where I go with this. No. 
Um, but I and I read that the last match in which, it, if you don't uh, include River in the in the in the stats, uh, that were that were considered three uh, awarded three penalties for the same team. It was Newell's against San Martin San Juan in 2019, I think. Racing had one recently as well. I remember oh. in uh, Copa. It was before 2019. I'm sure. Um, in the Libertadores against Botafogo. Uh, Lisandro oh, yeah. Lopez took all three, yeah. missed the first two, and scored the third. I've forgotten about that one. And that still, was in what, 2018 or something around there? 2018. Could have been to 2019, actually. Yeah, about that. Rings about, so, yeah. Sometime a year or two before the pandemic, anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think Rassi still won like 4 2 or 4 1. Obviously, before anybody tweets in or writes in trying to be a smart ass, I'm talking about excluding shootouts. Um, but yeah, I'd forgotten about that. So anyway, sorry, Andres, carry on with yes. Rivers eleven. So we've had the back four. We've had all of them. What it was. I, 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 I said all of them. It will be basically the same team that defeated four 0 against Gimnasia, in which match I was at the stadium after two years of not uh, being able to go. Well, congratulations. Yeah, from October it was allowed, but I couldn't go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, yeah, the first match, uh, just the first match in which uh, uh, the supporters were allowed to the teams again was, uh, in the case of River, against Boca mm. in the last Super Clásico. And it looks like it's going to be Julian Alvarez's last, last Super Clásico. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, I think, less controversially or less arguably, last one in the Monumental, at least. Yes. Yeah. Because we don't know yet if he's going to go to City in June, July or in December. Yes, I mean, as I mentioned, but Back from January, what he was saying this week, it seems it's like it's yeah. going to be sooner rather than later. So the deal, just to remind people, is is that City have got a clause that allows them to take him after the quarterfinals of the Libertadores have been played, mm -hmm. if they give River an extra one and a half million of something. Because uh, the report that I read just said 1.5 million, and it didn't make clear whether it was dollars, euros or pounds, <laughs> but you know, to City it's pocket change that they find on the back of the sofa anyway. So yeah, and of course, the more likely, you know, if if River make it past the quarterfinals, it'll be better Doris, and that just means that Alvarez is more likely to be taken off them. Will be a Copa Libertadores yeah. with a playing a very short period because of the World Cup, but yeah. mm -hmm. the, uh, one week uh, before the the World Cup starts, I think it will be well, the final. The World Cup is is the one thing that sort of makes me wonder whether City will just, especially given that they're not exactly going to be struggling in the Premier League next season. No. Whether they could just say, you know what, if he's going to be in the World Cup squad, let's let him stay where he's familiar with now, rather than yes. move him to Manchester in July or August, and then have him go over to the World Cup a couple of months later, and just end up with a season being really disrupted. I mean, the season's going to be disrupted next year, next but season for everybody. The but thing is that, for Scaloni' point of view, I th there is not still decided the strikers who will be there with uh, Lautaro Martinez. I think because oh no, but I think. He's been in the squad and he's he's got off the bench, you know. Admittedly, always as a substitute. I don't think he's been in the starting eleven yet. But he's he's been involved in the team enough that I'd be quite surprised at this point, unless his form falls off a cliff or yes. he gets injured. I mean, especially I since the squad's going to be twenty six, right? Oh, is it? Has that been confirmed? I think so. Oh, okay. Or it's going to be like yeah. I mean, I, I I've heard, heard it mentioned as a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Like, so you think if it's twenty six, he's definitely in twenty mm. three. Maybe the doubt's still there. Yeah, I mean, 23, I can see how he doesn't, but I'd still be quite surprised, to be honest. Because he's involved so much in the, in the last few qualifiers. Yeah. Uh, do we have a handle 
on what Boca's team is going to look like beyond it being more yellow than normal. It's going to be very yellow. Um, and the big news for Boca is that it looks like Dario Benedetto will be there, which is very important for Boca because he's been yeah. very good. Even when yeah, the, he's not... Luis like Vasquez was not uh, when he replaced him the other day. No. Um, and obviously Benedetto knows a thing or two about scoring against um, scoring in Superclasicos. I was going to say scoring against River in Superclasicos, but that was absolutely <laughs> redundant. So just pretend I didn't say it. Indeed. I, I heard um, that Bataglia will, will have also uh, played with Oscar Romero, the uh, new... Uh, I think he's struggling for fitness. He's yes. more likely to go on the bench. Like Benedetto, and that's why both of them are not in the... No, Benedetto will be. Yes, 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 but not both of them, not Romero. Right, I oh, am one or the yes. other. Yeah. And obviously, yes. if you're going to go one or the other, it has to be Benedetto, because... Yeah, Romero's not... Boca have a few sort of attacking, creative midfielders, um, but they only really have one centre-forward, and they have the, really only had one proper class centre-forward for the last five years, and that's Benedetto. Yeah. Yes. The most important news for Boca, I think, is that Izquierdos... Uh, had been under surgery. Yes. So. Yeah, he's up. Um, but the one for one to watch, from in my opinion, from Boca's side, a guy who wasn't there last year is uh, Paul Fernandez. Yes. He is so important in that middle, like such a good passer, like really. You mentioned gets this the last team week, actually, I, I thought when they were playing Estudiantes, I, I sort of hadn't noticed him that much. Partly because I've only been paying, you know, half attention to to most of the matches this season but he, he was really good Yeah, he's one of these guys like he doesn't always make the news but I think he's got a record like he was a champion with Racing in 2019 then champion with Boca in 2020 and he also won something else like the last at least two seasons he's got a 100% record like winning the league with whatever team he's on mm. um, just really really good player who can fly under the radar but just so good with the ball at the feet, and like, as a passer, I think he's up there with anyone in the anyone in the league. He's kind of the anti Marcos Rojo, and you know Rojo. As in, he plays with a bit of a brain. He's, he's a player who, as, as an ex-Man United player, and, and after what he did in the 2014 World Cup, I have a lot of time for him, even if he's <laughs> not the most intelligent man on the football pitch. Um, but he very much, you know, he is the eye-catching one. He's always doing something, which you don't want from your centre-back, just to be clear. No. But he does it anyway. Indeed. Um, and as you say here, yeah, Paul Fernandes just allows the game to sort of... Just makes it flow. I was going to say he allows it to happen around him, and that, that's not what he does, because that's not what you want from a central midfielder. But Revolve around him. Just, he's in the engine room, just very yes. quietly. Pulling the strings. He's the fan belt. In the engine room, pulling the strings. That is a horrendous mixed me metaphor. Yes. <laughs> but, in, but then where do you pull strings? Like in an orchestra? But then only the guys with strings. It's like not really... No, even that you're drawing a chord across yeah, the room. Yeah, it's not really the idea. Plucking them. Where Some you... deconstructed piano, you'd, you'd pluck strings. I guess. Not quite the same. Yeah, I'm not sure that's what we're going for. Puppet uh, There we go. But hey. Um, anyway, yeah, so we're expecting Bocca's 11 to look... I mean, the 11 that started against Team Nasio was Agustin Rossi. Sorry, against Estudiantes. Was Agustin Rossi in goal? He's obviously going to be starting in goal. Luis Abincula, uh, Marcos Rojo and Frank Fabra will be in the back four. Carlos Izquierdos, as we just mentioned, is out. He had to be subbed with an injury about 20 minutes in. He was replaced by Carlos Zambrano, who you would think is the natural replacement to come in. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, just looking at the bench at the weekend, I'm struggling to see. I I think, of course, not because I I, I think that uh, Samara may be in the in the starting lineup, lineup because he's as he's not new in the squad like Figal, for example. But I I personally look. Like a Figal more oh, true. Figal maybe, yeah. Yeah. and Zambrano, but of course it's he's like the new, uh, perhaps centre back and and Zambrano is. Yeah, my advice for this game, to be honest, would just to turn it would be just to turn it on after seventy minutes because I love the idea of having Quintero on one side and Oscar Romero on the other side in on both benches. It's when, like when the two as impact substitutes, guys. As impact substitutes go, and if they're both like fit and get on, that could be a really cracking conclusion. Like, yeah. that's that's what I'm I'm here for, and obviously, I'd like Romero to uh, to do well because I I'm very fond of of Oscar from his racing days. I really yeah. did enjoy him play when he was at his best. Uh, Boca's midfield will be Paul Fernandez. You would think Juan Ramirez and well, Cristian Medina started against the Estudiantes. He didn't do very well. Medina or Camposano, I think, Camposano. were were the the. Be more uh, if they, yeah. the, he wants to be more conservative, Zambrano will be in the in the in the team, or uh, or it, it will be him or Medina. Yeah, and then in the front three, you're gonna have Bisha, obviously Benedetto, as Dan's mentioned, and Salvio. I don't Molinas. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but Molinas was Molinas or Romero, I think, uh, and the, uh, but uh, yes, I don't see Salvio in the in the, in the team. No, he's, he's on the bench, mm. but he's been on the bench, I think, for all of their matches so far this yeah. season, isn't he? Again, not a bad substitute to have, like, at least he runs. Yeah. yeah. Sebas look quite good, though, when I've seen him. Yeah, on and off. Sort of always off the bench, though, always is an impact. So it's like yeah. every time that Boca supporters are, are like, enthusiastic uh, with, with him, uh, it's like the, he doesn't uh, end to, to, to confirm what, what, what supporters or, or uh, media thinks about about him. Yeah, uh, I'm now going to ask you to a question, and then I'm going to get up and make myself another phone because my okay. glass is now empty. Uh, so the question's going to be, uh, I don't know, can you think of anything else interesting to say about the match? Uh, uh, <laughs> we could get into the referees, but I pay no attention no, to that. No, let's not do that. And it's just boring, really. Um, We've got listeners' questions. Do you want me to read one out while you no, while why, you slink away? Why don't you, Dan, as a fan of one of the two Avellaneda teams, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're hoping to see, or no, not what you're hoping, cause we know <laughs> that, what you're expecting to see from the Clásico de Avellaneda? And I'll be back in about three minutes. I think, it, to be honest, it's going to be an interesting test for Racing because uh, what we've seen in the in the last uh, four or five games, really going back to. The draw against defensive Cordicia, which probably should have been a rushing win, is a team that is playing, you know, open football, possession football, always looking to get forward, but like taking care of the back as well. Like um, I think it's been really good how Racing have struck the balance between getting up there, making chances, scoring goals, and also um, looking very solid in defence with um, Leo Segali and Emiliano. Insua, I think that's the Insua that Racing have there. There are a lot of them. Um, and what will be interesting for me is to see in like a game of this magnitude, um, which is so important, it's uh, Gago's first Classico in charge and all that. Um, it's Gago's first Classico, really, isn't it? Because As a coach, yes. Yeah, because yes. for Halvor City, he didn't have it. So. No, true, true. Um, 
can or will Gago be able to, you know, stick to his guns and put this, you know, expansive, um, high-pressing, possession-friendly team out against a team which isn't looking as good as the Racing at the moment, but will not be giving up anything and uh, will be highly motivated and in the knowledge as well that a point for Racing would be, it'd be fine. Um, I don't think any Racing fans would begrudge coming away from the red half of Avishanu with a point considering just how difficult it's been to get a result there um, for, as I said, you know, the last two decades. Um, so that would be my question. How does Gago balance, you know, his natural style of coaching, uh, the way he wants his team to play with, you know, a little bit of pragmatism, keeping an eye on the result and just making sure that at least in the Benyin they don't win because if you look at the form book and I think if you look at the respective squads and state of each side, uh, defeat wouldn't be a good result at all for Racing um, in the current context. Um, so that's what I'll be looking out for, I think. I can't say much about it. In the Benyendi side, I mean, um, probably a lot of the same doubts. It hasn't really happened so far under um, Sebastián Dominguez. Is it Sebastián or Eduardo? Eduardo. We need, like, Eduardo. We need like, more families to get involved. It's like the same four surnames between all these clubs. Um, results haven't been spectacular. I think they've only managed one win so far in, in six games. Um, not been brilliant either going forward or going back um, but they've got a couple of players who can hurt you um, I can't remember any offhand like Santi probably know better but um, now it's going to be a tough one it's definitely going to be a tough one um, as I said before I think Racing would be slight favourites but i would not be upset at all with um, with a draw from that game. No, especially being away, and as you said. Yes, in that cursed away stadium. Yes. Been, away wins have been difficult to come by for, for them. And also, you know, Independiente don't make it easy to beat them. Looks like right. they, they do concede too many. I, I, I do think the Racing are going to be favourites because when you look at... So it's not easy to beat Independiente. They've had three draws in a row, but the last two draws have been 2-2 two, two against Boca and 3-3 three, three against Godoy Cruz. So, oh, I'm 1-1 one, one against Central Cordoba. Um, so that's three in a row, in fact. Mm. But like, if they're conceding that many goals and they're playing a team who are defending as well as Boca, as Racing are at the moment, mm. um, I, I think Racing are going to start as narrow favourites. Yeah. But if, they, if it were in the cylinder, I'd make Racing pretty heavy favourites. Um, and it's not and I think the psychology might play into it a little bit there as well yeah it's definitely going to be one of them games played in the minds as well as as with your feet um, both teams are going to have a few a few doubts and like be looking over their shoulder a bit but it should be a good game um, both teams know where the goal is at least um, hopefully Racing know it a bit better than in the beginning it, it looks like you know, Racing has a more consistent are being more consistent on and their idea of, of how they, they 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 want to play is more like uh, you are you are we are starting to see that in, in the case of Independiente you it's like well Eduardo Dominguez is still a, a, a new in the bench mm. and you don't know 
the way that they they, they want to play and, and can play because uh, when you work some for example see the the squad or the team uh, it's uh, the strikers are for example uh, Leandro Fernandez and Venegas yeah. uh, and, and a huge amount of goals there like some time ago it was Silvio Romero the one mm. who who scored the most of the goals and now he's not there anymore so uh, those are details that of course you have take take into yeah. account it's it's a way more because when you watch them it's, it's like on the one hand they look less reliant on that main center forward mm. as they did when Romero was the main center forward but on the other hand <laughs> it's not Romero, much Romero's <laughs> a center forward is considerably better than either of the center forwards that they had so you kind of wonder whether they've got a bit too far the other way um, yeah totally uh, Independiente versus Racing kicks off on Saturday the 19th just in case you're listening to this uh, later than you realise after we upload it uh, so Saturday the 19th of March at quarter to nine Argentine time which is going to be quarter to midnight if you're in the UK and I think that the States is now on daylight savings isn't it which means that it's going to yes. be so Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time whatever you call it basically you're an hour behind us now yes. rather than two hours if you're in New York or New Jersey or wherever um, so it's down to 7.45pm and the Super Classico is on Sunday the 20th of March 2022 because thank you so. every time I look at the stats around this uh, around this weekend before Super Classical weekend I always see oh loads of people have listened to episode like 37 that was previewing a Super Classical that took place in 2011 or something um, <laughs> presumably because they've just googled Super Classical preview and they've got that uh, so the Super Classico is going to be played at 7pm Argentine time, 6pm Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, whatever you call it, uh, and 10pm uh, Greenwich Mean Time on the 20th, Sunday the 20th of March 2022. Okay. So that's when It was going to be played at 8pm Argentina time, but mm. it was forwarded one hour because of the security that they wanted to people for the people to get into the stadium when it was daylight. And yet they're playing the Avicenna Clasico at eight forty-five. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's great how they you know they have this round of Clasicos and everything to try to appeal to foreign TV as well. And then they it's going to be the middle of night in the in, in Asia and in Europe as well, and Spain as well. Yeah. You know, for the for the Avicenna Clasico, pretty much midnight when that kicks off. For, well, in the UK and past midnight. One in the morning in Spain, Spain, yeah. Spain where you, I'd Germany. assume there are like more people interested than. Just, no, I mean, not that we expect any joined up thinking these days, obviously, because you've been listening to us for 11 and a half years, so you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, we've had some listeners' questions, I hope. I'm just looking we've for our applications now. Uh, let's read them out. The first one is from Darren. Darren Paul says, Rassing are winning the league, right? Uh, well, the league's not started yet, Darren. So no, but it has because it is it a league. Might. Oh, it's a league. It, it counts How many league times title. are you gonna no, 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 forget no. this? Uh, it counts as a league title, but it is still the Copa de la Liga. Right, that so, seems like splitting hairs a bit. It is, but still. Um, so no, Racing. I mean, too early to say, but damn right. optimistic. Never. Uh, <laughs> one game at a time. The knockout thing is is the real. That's it. Yeah, complication. I, mean, I, I think at this fairly early stage, I'd, I'd be. Pretty, you know, I don't like making predictions, as you'll hear in a few minutes when we do Mystic Sam. But I'd be pretty confident saying, you know, Rassing are going to be one of the teams you could expect to be in the quarterfinal. But I mean, they should do, yeah. If they don't be, make it, it's going to be a disaster. Because the, the is it quarters? Yes, yeah, quarterfinal, semis, and final, isn't it? 
The quarters of the semis are going to be neutral. Uh, yeah. One match, neutral stadium. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. Anything. I, I would like Gago to, to win a title. I, 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 I don't know why, but... I, I, it's I not something I expected you to say. Yeah, yeah, but I feel pity about him for him. <laughs> That's something I expected you because to say. of the the injuries he had. Yeah, and the, we, we were all very sympathetic, weren't we? When he was it was it during the was it the first leg of the final in 2018 when he twanged his second leg. second leg. For, He'd been on the pitch about jet. ten minutes. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. For like the seventeenth time in his career, yeah. with Guillermo uh, looking at, at him and, and and he was saying like I was bro- I I broke yeah. I broke. Yeah. No, horrible. It was terrible, yeah. Uh, Darren also says, also, welcome back to Seba Garcia. Lovely stuff. Keep up the top work. Uh, gone slightly early on Seba there, but I did tweet that we were hoping to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll explain what's been going on there when Seba finally rejoins us, but Seba will be rejoining the panel at some point before too much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hilarious story, I promise you. Lee Bartlett says, after Barracas Central, ever the man to big up the little teams, Lee, after Barracas Central were promoted, it shows almost any club can reach the Primera. What he's not written is if the president of the AFA supports them and tells the referees to give them all the decisions. Mm. Uh, which two clubs would you like to see in the Primera from the Nacional, the second division, at the end of the season? For Lee, he says, it has to be Brown de Adrogué with Pablo Vico. Pablo Vico would be fun, as would Sacachispas. I would very much enjoy getting to say Sacachispas every single week when reading our scores. Uh, and I agree. Yes. Obviously, as I'm sure Lee already knows, I'm going to have to name Ferro as well, who for a very, very long time, I think for still probably, even though we've both been living some way away now, the majority of Hand the Pod's episodes uh, were the club closest to where we were recording any given episode, mm. uh, and are the only team supported by any of our panellists ever who've not been in the top flight during our recording period. Because we've had supporters of all of the big five on the panel, we've had an Arsenal supporter on the panel, but Australian Dan has still not seen his team in the top flight no. since we started. One day, one day it'll happen. He came um, very close last year. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with Federer and um, I don't know who else is in the Nacional. Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. Am I wrong in the, sec- in the Nacional? Yes. No. Are they? I don't know, there's so uh, many the, teams, the it's possible uh, I'd buy Atlanta and Ferra, sure. Andres? I would say San Martín and Tucumán, but they've been there recently. Sacachispas for sure, and then I'm between Atlanta and Almagro, because I live in Almagro, but I, I never see, I, 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 will, I don't know why I, I was never a supporter of Almagro, taking into account that I live in the neighborhood for well, 20 years. they don't play in the neighborhood. Yes, of course. So but, but, um, but the name is... Uh, yeah. is but yes, in between those, so yes. Actually, I was interested when I lived in Almagro for several years at how sort of little visibility the club had in Almagro. Compared with, you know, when I lived in San Telmo for several years before that, obviously San Telmo don't play in San Telmo anymore either. But if you walk around San Telmo, you see the San Telmo badge graffitied onto an There are a few m- murals, uh, more than the... Like the Rivadavia side and mm. the oh, Parque Centenario side. Uh, there are definitely a few, yes. like Medrano and Rivadavia, there's one, I think, on the other street. Um, uh, Chatay, this is very boring. Um, let's carry on, I'm not going to go where through was, all the know, Almagro do murals I've seen. Do you know where was? Originally, no. when they did play in the barrio? No. I'll have to look it up sometime. 
Uh, Seva has tweeted us saying sadly he couldn't get out of his commitments in time for this one, but as I've already said, he will be back soon. Uh, there's then a very touching little exchange between Seva and Darren, which I won't read out loud, uh, but you can check it out on Twitter if you want to know mentions. Tommy Buendia says, will the Super Clásico be any good, or are we in for a somewhat uneventful draw? I think it's going to be good. Yeah. The most recent ones have actually been good. I remember when we first when started. When we started out, we used to begin awful. by saying, basically, yeah. watch this match if you're desperate, but don't expect yeah. much from it. And uh, for probably, I would say, pretty much since Gashadon's taken charge of River, yeah. there's been a notable uptick. In, I mean, first of all, there's been a notable uptick in how big they are because they've been continental semi finals yeah, and finals yeah. and all the rest of it. And I think also, they've just been good matches. They just kind of like pushed each other on, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, Gashadon doing. So well as push Boca to keep investing in a way maybe they haven't done as well in like the head to heads. They've been brilliant in the league, like really winning. But I think also that it's like it's a rivalry that's kind of it's been positive in the last few years. It's probably about the only positive thing in Argentine football. Like those two have another have been dragging each other. Another aspect that I, I wonder about is that you know we used to complain all the time when Australian Dan was involved with the podcast and before you came along, Andres that the same bunch of very old managers used to just sort of rotate around all of the, not only the big five, but also all of the other sizable clubs mm. around Newell's and Colón and Union and Estudiantes and Gimnasia and everything in the country. And it was just like these sort of group of 15 grey-haired men who clearly <laughs> should have just been doing what Alfio Basile had been doing for several years and hanging out in the local bars, getting slashed on whiskey and giving up a bit of their stories. Um, were still involved in clubs and when one of them got sat from one club it was like alright well the Boca job's up now and then he gets sat from Boca and so you go to Racing or to Estudiantes or whoever and uh, I don't know whether uh, no I I think pretty clearly Gachardo isn't the reason Uh, but while we've been recording and it sort of coincidentally happened around the time that he got the River job off Mm. Ramon Diaz who's a classic member albeit one of the more successful ones of 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 that group we were complaining about um, it seems like Boca at the same time has sort of finally broken out of this thing of just giving it to Alfio Basile every other time the job <laughs> comes up. Um, I mean, he's like 90 years old and had yeah. about four strokes. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the result is that you've got now two teams who are trying to play more something approaching mod- what Europeans would yes, call modern football. Um, and that certainly has helped it. But and, and also just two teams who are actually confident enough to go for it now and who want mm-hmm. to win the Clásico rather than being too afraid to lose it well what improved the, the last especially against Estudiantes was the first team or at least the, the top uh, team in the table and um, uh, I, I, I also thought that the change of the t-shirt was because of of course Kabbalah because they, they won with that t-shirt and they wanted to continue that that also but uh, I think it will be, uh, since the last performance from Boca, it would be quite more even than we would have thought before. Uh, and, but uh, answering the question, I think that the last, the, the, the most of the last latest Superclassicals were more vibrant and more perhaps, or, or even better than uh, some time ago in which the, the supporters or the crowd were brilliant and the the, spec, the 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 match themselves were were horrible or were not good. I think even scoring goals. I think there were. I don't have the stats, but uh, 
the latest super classico in which that ended one uh, nil nil I think was three or four years ago. Let's have a look actually. Well, uh, string this out for a couple of minutes longer, and I'll try and get you. I think it was uh, uh, in the Monumental uh, 2018 or 2019, uh, and there was one stinker. Yeah, there, there was there one was in the Copa Argentina uh, ah, okay. in August last year. But well, yes. Other than that one, uh, yeah, September 2019 in the league nil nil in the Monumental. Since then. River have beaten Boca 2-0 in the Monumental. Boca have beaten River 1-0 in the Bombonera. Those were in the 2019 Libertadores. Uh, the Copa de la Liga Profesional last year ended 2-2 in the Bombonera. The league last year ended 1-1 in the Bombonera. So both matches last year were played in Boca Stadium. Yes. And then the league Copa de la Liga playoffs... Um, which were played after the league match. What the hell happened there? <laughs> also ended 1-1 in the Bombonera. Um, and then River beat Boca 2-1 in the Liga Profesional uh, in October last year. Yes. So yeah, it's been a while since a nil-nil other than that Copa Argentina match, which was, was that the semi-finals or the quarter-finals or something last year? I'd forgotten about it anyway. It was not a good game. <laughs> and that was the, you know, even the nil-nil that happened in September 2019, that was the first nil-nil for three and a half it's years. Yes. You know, there have been like seven or eight matches not involving goals, or involving goals, I should say, not, not involving goals, uh, before then as well. Um, so, yeah. In short, yes, it should be decent. Uh, Liam Kenny, who is no relation to me, gets in with the last question of this episode unless somebody else sends one while we're answering it and says will Sunday's Super Clásico serve as a good preparation for their the two teams challenge to break the Brazilian domination in the Libertadores and on the Libertadores and Sudamericana how do you think Argentine sides will get on well first of all we said at the start of the year when we did our uh, transfer window roundup before the actual action got underway that clearly, with the signings they made over the summer, River are going all out to try and get back in the final. Because yes. the squad they've got is, is too strong to not be in the semis at least, mm. isn't it? And yes, still, Well, it's still three months for that to, to come. Uh, because if, if Julian Alvarez leaves by the, uh, the end of June, I, I will think that... that there will be another striker to replace him. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd think in January, if he'd left, it would have been a big blow. When he leaves now, whatever it is, it's going to be a big blow to them, but it's not going to be as yes. big a blow because mm. they've also signed all yes. these players who, by that point, are going to have gelled into a much more cohesive unit as well. Yes. Yeah. I think both of them are capable of, capable of reaching the semis, Boca um, and River. From there... Uh, as we were just saying, in reference to the prep, the playoffs, it's it's the luck of the draw, really. Um, it's really anyone's game. Um, I think the likes of Flamengo, Menado, Palmeiras, uh, Corinthians, they're probably financially at least a, a step ahead because they've just got so much financially, money. But that's been the case for a decade and a half, anyway. Yeah, but I think recently they've. They've just really started but, but investing in like they increased increase the gap. Uh, yeah, but the other thing yeah. that I I think is just that as we saw we did, we haven't mentioned this on hand of on the podcast, no. uh, 
but one really good illustration of how when it's a knockout it just doesn't matter and the Libertadores will fuck you over if you stop concentrating for 10 minutes is Olympia versus Fluminense in the oh, playoff last week yeah was, was it 3-1 to Fluminense at one point on, on aggregate and Olympia came back and took it to penalties and ended up and then putting Fluminense yeah. out and going yeah. into the group stage themselves then again and, that is uh, Fluminense just like the biggest yeah that's um, Olympia what's the nice way of saying it Olympia got pedigree in the Libertadores oh, the sure but yeah. they're, they're still no disrespect to talk to Paraguayan football but they're a Paraguayan side yeah. who again talking about the the economical advantages economic advantages that the Brazilian sides have mm. I'll still say Fluminense's Fluminense's continental ineptitude incompetence trumps the financial advantages but the it's something about, they just can't get up. we're saying they the same thing about Flamengo until 2019 but they had a Libertadores at least. One. So, yeah. For supposedly the second biggest club yeah. you know, on the continent in terms of members and everything. Um, so, nice. I mean, I, I, first of all, I think that, you know, Brazilian domination, we've had two straight Brazilian finals. Mm-hmm. It's the first, it's not the first time we've had all Brazilian finals, obviously, but it's the first time that we have had um, back-to-back finals between two teams of the same country. Yes. yes, with that country being the same country, if that makes sense. I think that Flamengo suffered something similar to River because they yeah. they well, of course won in 2019 and then they left the final against Palmeiras in 2020 and then well 20. The, the big question mark for me is Palmeiras because yes. you know the, the River won in 2018 and then lost the final to Flamengo in 2019, who then lost the final to Palmeiras in 2020, and we talked at that point about how. Nobody had won two straight Libertadores since Boca in 2001 and 2002. Um, and then Palmeiras did it. Yes. This, well, for Europeans this season, but for us it was at the very end of last year, they, they actually successfully defended it for the first time in 19 years. And so the big question for me, especially because they clearly, you know, Palmeiras didn't go like, okay, we've just won the Libertadores playing really fucking boring football now we're going to open up and enjoy ourselves no. a bit more we're going to play the same now fucking we're going to win it again and we're going to be just as difficult to watch so the if not even more so the, if they're just going to happy to just entrench and try to do it mm. all over again and not evolve at all is anybody going to be able to get through that wall and you would think it's a doing one. it three times in a row is going to be impossible somebody's going to beat them considering they had a lot of luck yeah. in both campaigns against exactly. River yeah, the yeah. first one against Flamingo in the in the final in the final with that goal in like the 94th yeah. minute or something you think it had to it would have to to run out at some point right um, so we'll see you know yeah. it, it looks like domination when you have two straight finals uh, hard but not impossible from, from the same country but all it takes and this is why we all love football and I'm, I'm talking to the converted because if you're listening to this obviously you're a football fan but the reason we like it is that you only need one goal to completely change the destiny of a trophy a team a player anything it's not absolutely it's not basketball or baseball you don't build up a massive lead that's too difficult to go away with and even if you do yeah. unless, you're bu- unless you're buying basically indeed yeah uh, and even if you do it the Copa Libertadores it, no lead is too big anyway 4-0 is the most dangerous lead <laughs> in the Libertadores <laughs> uh, and with that we're going to go on to Mystic Sam Okay, here are my predictions for what's left 
of the weekend of Clásicos. Aldo Civi have already beaten Patronato 3-1 as we mentioned earlier. Tigre have just finished beating Platense 4-0. Barracas Central versus Sarmiento will be over by the time you hear this, uh, but I'm going to predict it because it isn't now. I'm going to go for an incredibly boring draw. 1-1. Let's go 1-1 and both of the goals are somehow going to be own goals. But Sarmiento are good. Are, are playing right. On, I think they are playing... Oh, you're right, they're fifth in Group 1. I'm going to go for Sarmiento win. Thank you, Andres. Uh, Lanús versus Banfield. I'm going to try and give you the standings as well, why not, for each team. Uh, Lanús are 10th in Group 2. Banfield are 7th in Group 1. I think it's going to be a draw. Are the groups called 1 and 2 or A and B? 1 and 2, I think. Yeah, I thought so as well. Sofa score's telling me it's A and B, but I'm going to ignore it. San Lorenzo versus Huracan. San Lorenzo 10th in Group 1, Huracan are 6th in Group 2, and I think Huracan are going to win it. Colón versus Union, as we mentioned earlier on, following um, Tigre versus Platense just now. Uh, this is 3rd in Group 2 against 3rd in Group A. I reckon... Ooh, I mean... We're actually getting into the proper Clásicos now, aren't we? Yeah. It's not that Manu's Banfield and San Lorenzo are a can but... Uh, I'm going to go for a Colón win in that, I think. Independiente versus Racing. Independiente, eighth versus Racing, fourth. As I said, I, I, Racing, to win it by a goal. Uh, as I said, if it was in the Cilindro, I'd make Racing quite heavy favourites, and the fact that they're not, I just think they're just a better team at the moment. Central are in... Uh, Ninth place, this is Rosario Central, just to be clear, in Group 2, and Newell's Old Boys are in 6th place in Group 1, uh, but I think that Newell's are going to win that probably by a couple of goals, uh, given how they're both playing. Gimnasia versus Estudiantes is 11th in Group 1 against 1st in Group 2. Do I need to predict that for you? Estudiantes will win it. River. First in Group 1 versus Boca, fourth in Group 2, is a River win. Defensa y Justicia, second in Group 1. And look at the amount of fanfare we gave them. Uh, versus Arsenal, who are 11th in Group 2, is probably going to be the most one-sided match of the, se of the weekend. Not the season, but of the weekend. I'm going to go for a Defensa y Justicia win there. Argentinos are eighth in Group 1. They are playing... Hosting Vélez, who are 13th in Group 2, and I think it will be a draw. Does that sound harsh? No, I'm going to stick with the draw. <laughs> I'll stick with the draw. Atletico Tucumán uh, are in 13th in Group 1. They're playing Central Córdoba, who are 12th in Group 2. If both teams could lose that match, I think they both would. teams would find a way of losing it. As it is, that's not possible, or so I'm informed. Uh, so I'm going to go for Atletico Tucumán to win it. And Tacheres versus Godoy Cruz is 14th in Group 1 against, I'm slightly surprised to report, 7th in Group 2 for Godoy Cruz. Uh, there will be lots of goals. Pro well, actually, no, there may or may not be lots of goals. Uh, I'm going to go for Godoy Cruz to win. Tacheres have scored 1 and let in 5. That's not very good. Which is impressive defending, but absolutely fucking pathetic <laughs> attacking. And Godoy Cruz... The very opposite. Scored 10, conceded 11. Um, so, Godoy Cruz are actually the second highest scorers in Group 2. Mm. Uh, Estudiantes being the first with 11 goals. 
And there are two teams in Group 1 who scored 13, River and Defensio with DCL Racing on 12. Uh, so those are your predictions for this weekend. Wonderful. I would normally at this point say, are there any matches that look tasty to you guys? But the whole point of this weekend is that all the matches look tasty. So instead, I'm going to ask the contrarian question. Are there any matches that you think we should absolutely not watch? Anything involving Barraca Central? Yeah. Anything that's not a classic already. The one who is going to be played right now. Yes. This was one reason, right, that I thought, you know what, normally I would try to avoid recording on a Friday night. Mm. And this week I just thought, which game are we going to be missing if we record on Friday night? Yeah, (laughs) no, you know what, no one's going to mind. It'll be fine. Um, so don't watch the game that you probably already haven't watched by the time you hear this. Yeah, I think so, apart from that, a bit more seriously, the Rosario derby this year isn't putting up any trees, like doesn't it? Doesn't um, exactly have you on tenterhooks. Uh, Santa Fe derby, I think it's going to be very good value, and then obviously Avellaneda um, uh, and the Super Clasico usually usually don't disappoint, or at least throw up some sort of. Um, Controversy or talking point. Argentinos against Bebes at 9.30 on yeah. a Monday night. I'm it's like pretty hard to... It's not too much football by that point, right? If you've sat down to watch six Clásicos yeah. over the weekend, it's like, you need a night off. But also it's Argentinos against Bebes, and I'm just looking at it and thinking... So, not yeah. so many time ago, it was uh, there were both teams were playing great football, yeah, and now yeah. it's like they fell. In the middle of last year, I think that would have been a perfectly decent match. And it might be again later this yeah. year, the way this league goes, but... At the moment, nothing to get excited about. Um, yeah. Anyway, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening. Hope you enjoy this weekend of Classicos at whatever point I manage to upload it over the weekend. And it's goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. From English Town. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. So, just a couple of extra seconds post theme tune for those of you who listen to the whole thing you're going to get the full uh, bonus Dan and I have just watched on Twitter YouTube what are you looking at uh, Twitter yes highest um, VAR technology on, handle VAR technology that we have access to on Dan's phone looked back at that fourth Tigre Platense goal that we spoke about at the first few minutes of the second half of the podcast and it turns out that there was actually no attacker involved at all one defender kicked it into another defender and Indeed. it up and went in. Hence, legitimate goal. So we take it all back, it was actually, yeah. actually a magnificent piece of refereeing to um, first see the, who made the contact in a very rapid um, moment. And, and whoever was refereeing also over the linesman. And the linesman was refereeing that in match. Venice could not have seen... No, absolutely. Yeah, no, but there was an attacker in the vicinity. Uh, and whoever was refereeing the match is indeed as good a referee as Horacio Alisson at his peak. Yes. So congratulations to him. Thank you and goodbye.